right, Kevin Barker. Happy New Year. That is the greeting during opening day, right? It's a new year. You're not answering. If you say so. Is it opening day? Yep. Awesome. Is it opening day? (laughs) It is indeed opening day across Major League Baseball. The Blue Jays will open tomorrow against the Texas Rangers at the Rogers Center. But there are a number of teams opening today. Uh, Two games have already been postponed. The Red Sox and the Yankees and the Mariners and the Twins due to weather. Uh, Twins making a trade, by the way, this morning. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, the games that are set to go, a 2:20 start with the Brewers and Cubs, the Guardians and Royals at 4 o'clock, the Pirates and Cardinals at 4.15, Mets, Nationals at 7.05, Reds, Braves, 8.08, Astros, Angels, 9.38, Padres, Diamondbacks at 9.40. As we mentioned, the Minnesota Twins and San Diego Padres have made a deal. The Padres have traded right-handers Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan to the Twins. Left-handed reliever Taylor Rogers and Brent Rooker, he's an outfielder, will be going to the San Diego Padres. There's also, uh, there's also money uh, involved in this deal as well. And uh, Paddock is the fourth starting pitcher the Twins have acquired since the end of the 2021 season, joining Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy, Chris Archer, and Kevin Barker. We'll talk. We're, we're going to do our American League predictions right out of the gate. But... It's funny because I wonder, and I know we had uh, we had the Minnesota Twins general manager Thad Levine on a little earlier, but I wonder now if the Twins don't make that deal with the Blue Jays and trade Jose Barrios to Toronto for Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson, I wonder how many of these pitching trades they make. Yeah, I'd say not many. I mean, it's look, you, you know, I, I don't really exactly know what direction they're trying to go here. Like I, you well, know, Paddock's you, under control for, for three years yeah. and they've been on, they, as, as uh, Dan Hayes covers the twins pointed out, they've been on Paddock before. Yeah, I guess, you know, who is Paddock? What, what is Paddock? Is he, is he a, is he a top of the rotation guy? Is he a, is he a two or three? Is he a three or four? Like you gotta, you know, again, it's, you know, who they brought in to be their shortstop and, what they're trying to do clubhouse wise, you know, you can, you can see a, they're trying to build something within to make the, between the lines a little bit better. And, you know, you, you sort of surround yourself with sort of what's going on with, with the blue Jays is, you know, the first thing out of everybody's mouth is every time they get a person is there, he's a good person. He's a good clubhouse guy. And then they talk about what kind of player he is and what kind of athlete right. he is. So maybe that that's a little bit of what the, the, you know, the, the twins are trying to do, but I think they're in the right division to do what they're doing now. Yeah, I, I think. think this is a product of the expanded playoffs, too, if you're the Minnesota Twins. Maybe. Um, I Again, it gets back to, look, the Chicago White Sox are a really good team, but I just, I, I think a lot of people look at the White Sox as a team that can be had because it's it's the old story. you got to prove it, right? I mean, you you look at the White Sox and their talent and... And they're pitching, my mm. God, even with Garrett Crochet being hurt, you look at their pitching and you go, that, I mean, that, that team should run away with the Central. And in fact, I think they probably will run away with it. But if I'm the Minnesota Twins, and also I got to say the Cleveland Guardians and the Detroit Tigers, I'm looking at Chicago and going, okay, maybe it's a reach this year. Nothing to say that I can't take a run at them next year. Yeah, so. yeah, you're, well, yeah, you're trying to you're trying to compete because of the expanded playoffs, and you're also trying to look to the future because of when you bring players in, you you know they're under control, those kind of things. But do you really think the Twins are going to make the playoffs? I mean, I, 
No, but uh, next year, next year there's a shot. There you go. Next year there's a shot. Uh, Robbie Ray, by the way, gets a start for the Seattle Mariners today uh, against. Oh no, that game is. I, I think I said that game was canceled. Why am I looking at this? Anyhow, forget that. Robbie Ray was scheduled to start for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Hunter Mintz is the assistant hitting coach and minor league hitting coordinator with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, the Jays have uh, the Jays as a team have, have kind of changed their hitting profile over the last three years. A lot of people don't give them credit for that, but they're not quite the swing and miss group that a lot of people uh, paint them out to be. Uh, it's an organization that has undergone a real change in its in its hitting philosophy. It's like a they're like an NFL team now, Kevin. They got like seven different offensive coordinators, seven <laughs> different hitting coaches. Hunter Mentz is one of them. He'll join us. I exaggerate. It's not seven. Lou Merlone, he's a former major league infielder co-host of Merloni and Faria on, uh, in Boston, and he will join us at 11.30, Shai Davidi as well, as we get you set for Blue Jays opening day tomorrow at the Rogers Center, John Gray against Jose Barrio. So let's not waste any time, Kevin Barker. Let's get to our AL picks. We did our National League picks yesterday, and uh, I, was, I have to admit I was a little shocked at your uh, at, at, at your. At your love for the yeah, I've been I've been banned from from my well, I've been banned from my dad's house for not picking the Braves for the holidays. You know, I'm not allowed to show up, but it's okay. I certainly would. Uh, yeah, that, that that was a little that was a little surprising. That was a little surprising. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say surprises. Yeah, maybe. So, what do you got in the American League, big fellow? You want age before beauty, or you, you know how we did it yesterday? You go first, and I'll, I'll build off that. Why don't you go first, and then I'll correct your picks. Okay. <laughs> You're funny. Okay, we'll start in the American League East. I'm picking the Rays. I hate to say it that way because you're the one that always picks the Rays. But this year, you know, I, I just think when, when you look at the, the depth of the rotation is really good. You look at their bullpen, they're good enough out of the bullpen to win one-run games. Uh, matchup, they're a matchup nightmare offensively. You know, right-handed pitching, they got six or seven lefties in the lineup. Just the opposite when there's a left-hander on the mound. Athletic defensively, you know, they probably have maybe the most athletic outfield to catch, you know, a lot of balls that most teams not going to catch, which makes it a little easier on everybody else, and and especially that starting pitching. So I I got the Rays winning the East, and I got the, the Jays, the Yanks, the Sox, and the Orioles in that order. This is going to surprise you. I got the Jays winning the East. Does it surprise you? Not really. I got the Jays winning the East. I got the Rays finishing second. I got the Yankees finishing third. I got the Red Sox finishing fourth. And I really care about Baltimore. <laughs> um, I, I truly don't. Go to the American League West. I think we're probably on the same page here. We both got the Chicago White Sox. No, no, you, you, that's the Central. Or the Central, I'm sorry, the Central. We both got the Chicago White Sox winning that yeah, division, yeah, I, do. I, well, I would think. Well, you, you got to figure Eloy Jimenez is healthy. Uh, six tool, he'll go with a six tool. Luis Roberts, remember, you know, he's got to have that six tools. They have the best lineup. They got the best rotation. They got the best pin in the Central. You know, and then I got the, uh, then I got the Twins, Detroit, Cleveland, Kansas City. I want to go with the Twins, but I like Cleveland's pitching. I'm going to go with the guard. It does none of them are making the playoffs. I'm, I I would go Guardians, Twins, Detroit, and Kansas City, and I think that's 
I think those four teams in that division, there's going to be a bit of a tussle there to finish second and, and, and be in the sort of the out, outskirts of the wild card spot. But, I mean, you, you can't, as much as I'm kind of down on the White Sox, because I think there's a, there's a lot of flaws to that team. They're, like I said, they better win this year. They better win this year because that window of opportunity is going to close on them. And uh, it's going it's to close quickly. In the American League West, fire away. Well, I like the Astros. The top six in the order, you know, I don't want to say they're awesome, but they're they're really, really good, uh, even without Correa. I think Alex Bregman being healthy, you know, he's not going to be as bad as he was last year. Uh, and, the, and the rotation's way better with Verlander in it. And, and then I got, uh, I got Seattle, the Angels, Texas, and Oakland. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I'm with you. And, and Seattle, I mean, I, I've got – I've got all four teams from the four teams from the East going to the playoffs. Uh, I've got the Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox as a wild card. Seattle's the one. Seattle's the one team I thought about putting ahead of Boston. They're the one team I thought about putting ahead of Boston. I can see them being a team that really surprises people. I'm seeing a lot of people talk about the Angels. They've got three great hitters, but man. I do not trust. I do not trust their pitching. I do not trust their pitching at all. Yeah. See, I have. I have. Uh, I have the Jays, the Yankees, and I have Seattle going to the playoffs. I have the Red Sox not making the play. Yeah, I, I think Seattle. I thought about the Red Sox I think, not I making. I think Seattle's going to win more than eighty-six or eighty-seven games. Somebody out of the East, one of the four big teams, is going to win eighty-six or eighty-seven games. Think Seattle can win more games than that? I do. So that that's where I, I – I just think the Red Sox, for me, with Chris Sale, I think the left side of the infield is not very good defensively. Uh, their lineup's going to score tons of runs, and, and I just don't like their bullpen. I've also got to say this about, about the Red Sox. I really wonder – I wonder if at some point all this stuff doesn't become a distraction. The Raphael Devers contract. Yeah, I don't really you think know, other players care. He's a great player. He's going to go out there and do his thing. He's going to yeah. get it down, squish the bug, do all those things. He's going to hit a bunch of homers. He's in the MVP race. Like, he is an MVP. He's one of the top 10 best baseball players on planet Earth. So, he's, I think it's – do other players really care about what somebody else is going through? I, when I was a player and with the people that I talked to, I don't really think it matters. It, now, if it's, you know, an individual thing where they're mindset-wise thinking about that more than they're thinking about doing their job between the lines, you know, people around him would, I'm sure, have conversations There's with him. nothing to suggest he's a guy like that either, I don't think honest. so. You know, he, he just, I mean, watching that bat. Yeah. He just looks like it's, you know, he's thinking more about the bat than he would things like that. Who do you got going to the World Series out of the American League? I got the Jays. I got the Dodgers beating the Jays in seven games. The only reason I got that is because I think the Dodgers will have the best record in baseball, and they will have home field advantage. And I think that's a big deal for the Jays. So I got the Dodgers got, winning in seven. Yeah, I got the Jays going to the World Series as well. I got them losing the Anthopolis Bowl to the Atlanta Braves. Huh. Um, but, of course, just, you know, once you get to the World Series, any, and anything can happen. Once you get I, to the playoffs. It's funny. I'm all in in Atlanta. You don't have Atlanta making the playoffs. You're all in Philly. I don't have Philly making the playoffs. All in. That's, that's strong. Yeah, I, I, I watch Bryce. I, I see the lineup. I see more protection around him. I see him having a, a much, I don't want to say a much better year, but a, a more rounded year than he had last year, which is trouble for the National League. All right, let's go to some individual awards. American League Rookie of the Year. This is going to be a fun race. This is going to be a lot of fun, but I, I, I have been waiting to see Bobby Witt Jr. play in the major leagues for a long time. And 
he would he would be my my choice right now. And I think he's probably is a lot of people's choice. Although I noticed ESPN, I, I pointed this out on social media. ESPN did their preview, and somebody and they didn't break it down. Somebody picked Gabriel. Gabriel, sorry, Moreno as their American League Rookie of the Year. So mm. obviously counting. Don't you have to beat him big leagues? So. Well, maybe the counting and him coming up at some point. Spencer but. Torkelson is my guy. You know, I, I yeah. watching him in spring training. He's so good. It's quiet. Uh, it looks to me like he was using the entire field, which for a young guy that's, you know, Miguel Cabrera is a, a pretty big-time guy. Mm-hmm. And to be able to use the entire field, stay within yourself. He's a decent two-strike hitter. He's got lots of power. That field's going to, you know, and that field's going to give him a lot uh, of doubles. He can walk up He's to a Hall a of Famer of and say when you're 0 for 15, how yeah. do you get out of it? And. I just think him, he's going to thrive in that. It, it's too bad Riley Green was hurt because I was looking forward to both those guys, uh, both those guys in the lineup. But that's the other thing. I think he's, a, he, you know, he's a guy with with Javier Baez. I, I, I can see Spencer Torkelson having a, having a great year. I think this is going to be a fascinating AL rookie race. I do too. I think it's going to be really, really mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, American League Cy Young. <sighs> I, I went with Lucas Giolito of the White Sox just because I think I I picked him couple of years ago uh i have no i have no idea why he's a great pitcher i just uh, i i didn't want to kind of go you could have went with shane bieber i mean it's eh, a good pick shane you know, bieber, Sox, shane bieber would have been okay in. but but That's yeah a good one. yeah i went with garrett cole i, th- I think a a an off-season remove from Spider Tech. He, he's figured out a way now to, to have it come off the fingers a little bit better. Commands the secondary pitches because of not having Spider Tech. He can go home, figure things out like that. He's got a better defense behind him. More athletic with the Yankees. I also got the Yankees going to the playoffs. So I just think yeah. they're they're going to have to have Garrett Cole be I, that guy. I, I think Lucas Giolito is going to be motivated too because he's he's on the verge of getting big money. That's and, a good and I think this is this is a big motivational point from this year. American League MVP. I'm going with Vladdy Jr. Even though I admit that as long as Shohei Otani's in the league, I don't know what the hell Vladdy does to win the MVP award. Maybe hit 60 home runs, hit 350. I just don't know if that'll be enough, but I, I'm going with, I think what's going to happen. And the reason I'm going with Vladdy is I think the Jays, the Jays win the division. The Jays are a good story during the regular season. And at some point people look at Shohei Otani playing for a team that might be third, might be fourth. And they just go at some point you get to the whole definition of MVP. And I also think if Mike Trout's healthy, you have yeah. that whole Trout versus Otani debate. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, don't, I don't think uh, Otani, when Trout's healthy and plays 150 games, he's the best player on their team. How, how can Correct. he be the MVP? So I, I pick Mike Trout. He plays 150 games. Oof. He's going to put up some serious numbers and do his thing. Uh, yeah. th- th- now yeah, we're going to get into this whole thing. I, it, it just drives me around the bend. I don't like MVP candidates from teams that suck. I just don't. But, I mean, that's just me. That's just me. Well, you're you're putting a lot on Vladdy's plate. That, I, that that's the one thing for me that worries a little bit with Vladdy. I, I know he can handle it. Conversations around him and everybody he has around him to have the conversations with him. I know he's prepared for this, but it is a lot to go on his plate to basically be the guy he was last year. Realistically, you think he's, that's possible? Like, yes, I, I know I think he's he talking be about better than he was last year. It's a lot. He could be better if, than if he, if he was last year. He can be what year. he was last year. That's that's enough for me. I know you're asking for 60 homers and well, 330 I'm, and 130 I'm saying, RBIs. That's no, I'm, a lot. I'm saying I'm not asking for it, but I'm saying that with Otani in 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 the game, uh, I mean Vladdy has to do Otani's unicorn stuff. I mean Jesus, they, they've invented a rule for him. Yeah, <laughs> they've invented a rule for Shohei Otani to keep him in the game. Like, what does that tell you? 
Uh, I think it puts it really puts Vladdy behind the eight ball. It'd be interesting but, to see if Trout plays 150 games, has a great year. Um, so does Vladdy. How does I'm tired of Mike Trout, man. Are you really? Yeah. When? What when? is that his fault? Yeah. It's his fault that he has really good years, wins the MVP, and his GM or president aren't good enough to go out and get pitching staffs to be as good as he is. That's his fault? I, I, ah, come on. Like, you, you're, you, he can't do everything. Now, I know the health thing. Yeah, you can make adjustments, figure out ways to, you know, adjust your workouts, do different things to, you know, make longevity a big deal Mike for Trout you throughout show the season. Me more, it would show me more if he went to the front office and said, here Turn you. this team into a freaking winner in two years, or or my ass is out of here. Like you know what's going to happen? Oh, and this, really? You know what's going to so happen? Give up a hundred million you just to say it. make you, your team a little bit better. He's not getting beat. He's in the not first giving round. up a hundred million. I think someone. <laughs> I think Mike Trout will get money from somebody. Uh, maybe. I think Mike Trout will get money from Been somebody. Heard a lot. Here's what's going to happen. the The thing that will happen that will force. LA's hand eventually is a fear of losing Shohei Otani. He's got the stones to say to them that, hey, either either you improve this or I'm out of here. I don't want to. I don't want to play for a team that's gonna gonna be finishing fourth, third, or fourth all the time on the fringes. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure that that another team would allow him to do what he's doing. Oh but God, they, yeah. They, uh, to to Hell just yeah. say, here it is, gloves yeah. off. You go out, and be our number one, and hit third or fourth for us. I, oh, I'm not sure. That, that's oh. that's a lot to ask, right? It's a now that the DH is is maybe. universal. Oh Jesus, maybe, yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I think people will be falling we'll all find, over we'll, themselves. We'll for find out if they consistently do this because it, 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 listen to Joe Madden talk. Gloves are off now. You're getting it every five days, and or you know it's a six man rotation, I think. So that they're going to try and maneuver so he doesn't get as many starts. So you're getting it every sixth day, but we'll find out if he, his body can take that. It's a lot now. Now you're sort of expected to contend. Rendon's healthy, Trout's healthy. You brought in some more pitching expectations now. There's, Maybe, no ex- there's not that many expectations in that team. I mean, they they have three legit. Off the chart hitters that are healthy now. How's there not expectations? Because I think people look at their pitching and go, they stink. Okay. Anyhow. Stink strong. No. Better than it was last year. Yes. That is true. I hope they're healthy so we can see. I hope they stay healthy. Those three guys, Rendon, Trout, and Otani, I hope they stay healthy to see, because I'd love to see Trout in the playoffs. I didn't pick them because I don't think they can stay healthy, but I'd love to see it anyway. It'd be nice. Yeah. It'd be nice to see him play in a game that matters for once in his career. Mm. I'm just saying it's anyhow, the other than the American league East, I think that the, the most compelling race in the, in, in, in the American league is going to be that race for a most valuable player. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about that all year. You know, Vladdy kind of got it started in the offseason when he made the you know, the comment that he was he thought he'd get at least one first place vote. I mm-hmm. I'm with him on that. I didn't think it would be unanimous. I think the fact that he got every second place vote tells you that it, it truly it was one of the most told me writers didn't want the, the one of the writers didn't want to be that person that yeah, didn't vote for the unicorn. Yeah, that's, that's true. That and is. that works. That works. There are people out there that don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Or that person. I'm not just going to say guy. There are people out there who don't want to be that person. That's what it was. Had I been voting for the MVP award, I probably would have voted Vladdy over over Otani. 
Probably. And then we would have gotten the whole, yeah, the Toronto guy votes for Vlade. Vlade. Vlade was more important to his team than Otani. I mean, neither team made the playoffs. Like, yeah, but the Angels, the Angels could have stunk as much as they did without Otani. The Jays would not have been as good as they were without Vladdy. Not make the playoffs? Miss it by one game compared did, to another did they make team. make the playoffs? Compared to another team that missed it by 100. <laughs> I mean, does it, does it matter how you miss it? You missed it. All right. There you go. Both got the Toronto Blue Jays winning the American League. And a lot of people feel the same way. I, I admit I've been I've been looking at ESPN, SI.com, the athletic the sort of the national media. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised how much love there is for the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays are a good story. But there's an awful lot there there are more people picking the Jays to win the division and win the American League than I thought there would be. Yeah. Yeah, I, especially when there, there's a lot of talk about the balance of the lineup and, and the bullpen and some unknowns and you're hiding some people. And I, I, for me, anyway, I, I think down the road, Ross has got to do some do some things to make the lineup a little tougher to pitch to when it comes playoff time. Uh, make the bullpen a, a little bit more of a sure thing, which is his job throughout the entire season. I, I think if he does that, then they're, they're going to hit the playoffs running. If they're not and limp into it, then it may be a different outcome. Yeah, listen, I, I think we, we mentioned this yesterday. I think this front office, uh, if, if there is an issue in the first six weeks of the season, the front office needs to address it. And I'm thinking specifically of the bullpen. If the bullpen's not good enough, it needs to be addressed. And you may have to move, you may have to move a, a prospect to get it done. Um, I, I just think that's the way it is. I also think, though, that this front office will do that. I think this front office is aggressive. I think ownership's aggressive. Uh, you know, I, I, they're looking at, they're looking at having all those home games this year, possibility of having crowds in excess of 40,000 for a lot of them. I, I, I fully expect, I fully expect this to be a very aggressive uh, yeah, front I, I, office. I don't think we talk enough either about experience in September last year going into this season will help the young guys just understand how everything that goes into it, even talking to the media, the, the expectations of coming to the yard and, and making time for little things other than what's going on between the lines. They got experience now. They understand how that is. So you, because you, again, we talked about this yesterday about the schedule. It's, it, it, the first 22 games ain't no joke. Like, you know, if they go 12 and 10 in the first 22, that's good. Like, you, you want just to be above 500, for me anyway. That way, going into the second month, you know, you you hopefully got your rotation is is all in line. Everybody every five days is doing what they're supposed to do. You got some guys slotted in at the bullpen. That will give Charlie some no-brainers and just make it'll that. Make, it'll make a difference to me starting starting the year with Simber and Richards in the bullpen. It's not going to hurt. There's some stability there. It's not going to hurt. And that's, that's what they both – and, and that's what makes me have a great deal of confidence in this front office because uh, that was relatively early for Ross to go out and, and, and add two pretty key bullpen pieces in a season. You know, we could have said, well, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it two weeks earlier? Why didn't you do it three weeks earlier? You know, that's, I, I think in some ways that's a little unfair given what the Jays were going through, were going through yeah. last year. And, and given the fact they didn't have George Springer for much of the year and they, and they kind of didn't really have a read on, on how good their team was, I, I think the front office realizes now that, well, I, I think Mark Shapiro in the offseason, when he talked about the importance of one more win, and I think this, the message is pretty clear to this front office, 
if if you get into a skid, we're going to do something to address it. Yeah, we're be, not going to sit here and hope that we it, can find our way out of it. It'll be interesting to watch how Charlie handles. What if Taylor Saucedo stinks? What if Julian Merriweather stinks? What if, you know, yep. uh, David Phelps shows up and, and doesn't look like the David Phelps that we think he looks like? That, that'll that be an interesting thing to hone in on and see yep. what, how Charlie handles that. Hunter Mintz is assistant hitting coach and minor league hitting coordinator with the Toronto Blue Jays. Over-under in the, on the number of times I call him Hunter Pence this year, Barker. Uh, uh, 10. Hunter Mintz joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. It is opening day in Major League Baseball. The Blue Jays will open tomorrow uh, against the Texas Rangers. 7.07 first pitch. You probably heard the announcement yesterday that uh, NBC's new streaming channel, Peacock, uh, has been given the rights to televise a bunch of Sunday games, and those games are going to start at noon. And uh, as a result of that, because of baseball's broadcasting rules, no other games are going to be allowed to start until 1.30 on Sunday. Uh, three games involve the Toronto Blue Jays, two of them here against Kansas City and Detroit, and another uh, in Pittsburgh involving the Blue Jays. And, of course, people immediately were concerned that those games would not be available in Canada because uh, Peacock does not... Uh, you don't have access to it, at least legally, in Canada um, and I checked yesterday on, and I tweeted this out on social media with Sportsnet's PR department. And those games will be on Sportsnet. They'll be Sportsnet produced. They'll be, it'll be, it'll be Dan and Buck or Dan and Tabby. Um, so even though those games are only available in air quotes on Peacock in the U.S., they will be available in Canada on Sportsnet. So it's great news. Yeah, it was, yeah. And you are going to bring bagels to those games, right? That's, that's early. That's early. Noon start, that's a, that's early. Got to bring breakfast. <laughs> you better get off your wallet, big fella. Okay. So there you go. So those games will be on Sportsnet because there was some concern. And I admit, I didn't even know this was in the pipe. And I saw it yesterday and I tweeted it out. And I said, wait a minute, hang on. Uh, but those games will be available on Sportsnet. So you don't have to do anything illegal to get them. Awesome. Um, the Blue Jays have a workout today at the Rogers Center. The opener is tomorrow, as we mentioned, 7.07 against the Texas Rangers. John Gray against Jose Barrios. The Blue Jays this offseason overhauled their coaching staff. They actually expanded their coaching staff, something that, that we're seeing a, a, a lot of teams do in Major League, in Major League Baseball now. Um, you know, it used to be, I mean, I remember pitching coach, hitting, pitching coach, hitting coach, Bullpen catcher, bullpen coach, first, third base, bench coach. Uh, staffs are a lot are a lot bigger. They're a lot more specialized now than we've seen in the past. Um, the Blue Jays, for example, Dave Hudgens is now the hitting strategist. Uh, they've got a hitting coach. They've also got an assistant hitting coach, Hunter Mentz, joining us. He is the assistant hitting coach with the Toronto Blue Jays minor league hitting coordinator. Um, he has been in the organization. He was with Double A 
New Hampshire in 2018 and has been the minor league coordinator since then as well. Hunter, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Welcome to Toronto. Um, I'll, I'll, we haven't had a chance to talk yet, so I, I'm going to throw out kind of a layperson's question to you. There's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of coaches on this staff. How do you guys ensure, especially with the hitting coaches, how do you guys ensure that you're not stepping on each other's feet? That's that's a great question. I, I think <clears throat> as much as we can communicate with each other as possible, I think it's it's going to be hard to step on each other's toes. And and it, I mean, the more people you get, the more challenging that becomes. But uh, the setup that we have here in Toronto and the setup that we have in um, all over the league is like within the cages, everybody is close to each other. Within the locker room, everybody's close to each other, and then. Not only that, so there's informal touch pieces that we always give with each other, but there's always, too, the us coming together once a day to get on the same page with everything. So, um, And, too, like players, I'm stepping into a situation now where Guillermo's been here for a couple of years, Hudgie's been here for a couple of years, um, and so players are naturally going to gravitate towards guys that they've already kind of gravitated towards. And for me, it's just being available, making sure that I'm here whenever they need me. Um, and I'm here whenever Guillermo or Hudgy need to be as well, too. So it's just communication. Um, and it's, I think everybody can say that about their jobs at any walk of life is communication is probably a pretty big key. So that's probably where I'd start with it. Yeah, yeah. did you notice that it was harder because of the shortened spring training to get accomplished, you know, what you guys were trying to get accomplished before the season started? A little bit. Um, because usually during spring training, it's it's a halfway get ready, halfway try some stuff that you might not try during the regular season so that um, maybe it's within a routine or maybe it's within something in the game. And I think that's probably the piece that got left out probably the most just because it was such a short spring training where everybody was trying so hard to just be prepared and be at the right place um, physically and mentally going into the season and with their swings to go into the season. So, I don't think guys worked on or were able to work on or try things out as much as they probably have in the past. But um, I think it's one of those things, too, that if you're picking one of those two, you're probably picking let's just get ready and make sure we're in a good spot mentally and physically to go. Uh, Hunter, one of the things that, that has kind of intrigued me about the Blue Jays this offseason, uh, Shai Davidi, who covers the Jays for sports and it did an article, I think it was, it was the third week in March, talking to Dave Hudgens and talking to coaches about um uh, about how you guys are you guys being the blue jays are trying to implement sort of smarter swing decisions and that there was a process where each batter was being scored uh on their swings based on the opportunity to do damage um you know there were kind of creative competitions to ensure that hitters are making good choices and that this was also done in the minor leagues is that something you did in the minor leagues and and can you maybe walk us through that because it it really does intrigue me yeah it's a really cool process um and it was it's something that we've done now for a few years um and and after each game um we have what we call track main reports and on the track main reports reports that shows kind of where each pitch was and whether you swung or not and then each pitch um, is given a grade uh, a number system I guess and it goes all the way up to plus 30 and all the way down to minus 30 based upon how good the decision was so um, and it's and it's weighted a little bit on the count too um, so let's say you get to let's say the first pitch is 0 
um, and it's right down the middle and you take the pitch. Um, the system would say that's probably a pretty good pitch to swing at, and if you do, you're probably going to do damage on it because throughout the league that's something that guys do pretty well on. So you'll probably get dinged a couple points. So you might get a minus two or minus three because it's still early in the at-bat and there's still plenty of time to get, get back in the at-bat. So let's say then you keep going through the at-bat and then where you kind of see the most points go back and forth is when you get to like a two-strike count or a three-ball count because taking one of those or could, walk, could result in a walk or taking one of them could result in a hit or um, a strikeout too. So, so when you get to a two-strike count um, – Let's say you take a pitch that is a strike the ball, breaking ball down out of the zone, and it's a let's say it's a three-two count, um, and you end up taking it. The system will give you like twenty-five to thirty points on that because it's it's saying it's a really tough pitch to take because it started out as a strike and went out as a ball, and a lot of people usually swing at it. And if you swing at it, the result of something happened is usually a really negative result of either you're going to swing and miss because it's really hard to put that ball in play. Or you're just going to foul it off, and there's nothing that's going to come from that except moving to the next pitch. So, so you get you get a score for each each pitch individually, and then you get a score for the entire day too. Um, and it's really cool to like kind of witness and watch guys kind of embrace it and see like it just backs up what they feel and when good decisions are made and when bad decisions are made. And then throughout the minor leagues, what we've done is we create leaderboards throughout. Um, a daily basis throughout the entire organization. So you've got tons of hitters all the way from the big leagues all the way down to the minor leagues that um, each day are accumulating some sort of swing decision score. And so we'll put them in the locker rooms with everybody on the sheet um, and then kind of rank them. So let's say last night uh, Teoscar Hernandez got 120 swing decision points, which would be a ton, and he's first place and then – in second place, you have Tanner Morris, who's in double A, who had 115 points. And then it goes all the way down. So it's really cool. And, and it's really cool for the minor league guys because they see their names up next to the big league guys. And, and then we give awards out for it monthly um, and just kind of track it all the way throughout the season. And then based upon that, too, we create and we help create goals for the guys as well based upon some of the swing decision grades and um, it's either trying to maintain those or seeing if we can get better at them. Okay, guys that have been around, listen to you talk about those things. Guys that have been around and, and have experienced that before, I'm sure, embrace that and say, man, that's, that's good stuff. Every little information I can get. But somebody say like Matt Chapman, who came over during spring training, and that's sort of yeah. new to him. Is that a tough sale? Like, you know, I, I would think you'd have to be a little bit of a salesman saying, I know you probably did, haven't experienced this before, but we're only here to help you. Is that a... Is that a hard yeah. conversation or an easy conversation to have? I think it's an easy one because because at the end of the day, um, if the players don't feel like everything that you're doing is helping them, then it becomes a tough one. But as they start to feel and as they start to sense that everything that you're doing and everything that you're showing them and everything and every which way you're working with them is is a way to help them maximize their career, then I think they're all in. And I can give you like an example with, Chappie too is like Chappie came over and he's always been like one of the better swing decision guys in the league. So for us, it's like, it's, it's an easy conversation because it's helping him to continuing to show him that, Hey, you are really good at this. And we probably don't need to change a thing that you're doing offensively in terms of decision-making. Um, there might be some other stuff, but decision-making you're as good as there is. So let's just try and maintain this. Um, and then you try and explain the system and, 
everybody kind of understand the system, but it's not one of those things that they need to be able to recite exactly why they're getting the points and how the system works, but they understand when a good decision is made and when a bad decision is made. It's just one of those things that you just kind of drip in front of guys. And then if it's in a month and if it's in two months, if it's halfway through the year and, and it started to work with some guys and some guys are loving it and they're all bought into it and they're moving the needle in the right direction, then that's 100% a win. You know, Hunter, I'm not certain that the Jays, the, the major league team, gets enough credit for the way over the past three years or so. I wouldn't say they've changed their hitting profile, but you know, they 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 score well in terms of on base percentage. Um, they're they're they've had a bunch of hitters who I think have become better hitters than they were than they were three years ago. From your vantage point as someone who's been in the organization, um, I know you you were there in 2018. You may have been there earlier than that. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But have you seen a noticeable change in in philosophy with guys from within the organization? Or is it just simply a matter of guys getting better with more experience? I think it's um, – so – I came in in 2018, and in 2018 when was when Guillermo started as the hitting coordinator as well. Um, and then 19, 20, 21, I was the hitting coordinator. So, and and then 20, the hitting coaches have basically been very consistent in the organization with who we have. Um, and then same thing at the big league level, it's been very consistent too. So, I I honestly think a huge piece of that is just the the camaraderie and the consistency that we've had from a coaching staff standpoint and then the message that is delivered, um, we don't have to put philosophies in front of people. Mm. I, I think the, the hitters just sense it and they feel it the more they're in the organization. And then if you have consistency in the organization, you really start to get clarity with the players. Um, and I, I, just, I truly think that's a huge piece of it is just players get comfortable with uh, with guys that have been there for a while, players get comfortable with the messages that are delivered, and I think through that you just start to get the true, authentic selves from from some of these hitters. And they're all good hitters; they all have it deep down within them. <clears throat> and I think that's part of our our message to them too: is like we don't doesn't matter who you are, we're trying to get the most out of you. And I think through that, we'll try damn near anything to kind of work through some stuff with guys and. Um, and through that, too, I think just the hard work and dedication that we have towards developing each and ind- every individual hitter, I think it helps pay off, too. Where have you seen the biggest uh, uh, improvement from Lourdes Guerrero Jr.? The the decision-making. Um, we were actually talking about that this morning with a couple of the other coaches. Is He was a guy that when he first got to the big leagues, and even at the start of last year, the decision-making was he was one of – not one of the worst on the team, but like towards the bottom five. Um, And then he made some adjustments last year. And and I know that Guillermo worked hard with him on working through some things and trying some things mechanically. Um, But then it just became like, how can we, how can we just get you to swing at better pitches, which ultimately is going to get you in better counts, which then ultimately is going to help you to do more damage. And um, once they started kind of figuring some stuff out, he moved back off the plate. He start started laying off of, strike the ball sliders that were away from him because now they seemed like they were really far off the plate. And as he did that, then you just saw him take a giant leap last year. And if you look at like the last two months of the year, he was as good as anybody in baseball. And then the same thing in spring training this year, we had a, we have our own internal grading system with, with swing decisions. And he was one of the best swing decision guys that we had in all of spring training, um, which is a gigantic jump. And he's got 
serious thump and he's got bats of ball skills and and when you put that together with a guy that starts making better decisions he's he's much more turn the corner and i think um i think it'll continue to improve it's that decision making too is one of those things that it gets better with game planning it gets better with experience it gets better with more time just because you're more comfortable and getting deeper in counts too so yeah he's taking giant leaps it's been fun to watch so hunter is there a and this will be the last question for me is is there is there something you guys and when i say you guys i'm talking about the 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 hitting the hitting group in general wouldn't allow a hitter do to do if, if i was a player and i came to you and said hey i want to try this is are, are there things you know other than i'm not talking about turning around and batting left-handed if i'm a right-handed hitter but are there sure. things you where you sure. would go it's just a waste of time or would the approach be more okay try it and see what the results are much more the latter um we I think we do a really good job internally within the organization from a hitting standpoint and at the big league level of um, if you got something, let's try and figure it out and we'll work with it. And it's always a conversation. Um, I think we're really good at asking questions and through that we're really good at helping guys to be able to come to us with things like that. Um, and, and they might come to us with something and it might be something that in the back of our mind we're like, ooh, I don't know if that's going to work, but you know what, we'll give it a shot. We will give it a shot and we'll work through it. And we might look back in a couple of weeks and say, and laugh about it and say that probably wasn't the right thing, but we're going to work through it together. And I think that's the biggest piece with being a hitting coach is when that stuff comes, comes about, you can't just say, okay, fine, go ahead, go ahead, try it. You have to be all in it with them too, because you want to give it a fair shot and fair shake as to if it's going to work or not. So it's such a key piece is they come with you, come to you with something that's, that's fine. Let's, let's work on it, but you got to be all in with them too and doing it. Um, and then like nowadays though, it's, it, they'll come to you with something, but they, they're a lot more educated on what they're coming with nowadays, I think, than what it used to be. Um, one, just because of how much hitting is talked about online Two, just how much more accessible numbers are and how much more accessible video is to guys too. So they're a lot more, a lot more educated with what they come to you with. So a lot of times it's, you're never going to say no anyways, but you're always at least going to give it a shot. I don't want to ask you what the batting order is going to be because you're not the manager and that's unfair, but I do want to ask how you separate, because you've been in the room, you had the conversations, you've had conversations with players, and we have it. I, I just want to know the, the feeling that a player would have, say, about where he hits in the batting order. Maybe a simple thing, and what analytics would say that's best for the player and best for the team. Is do do organizations or the, do the Blue Jays actually listen to that player, or is it just all analytics driven? Yeah, it's, I think it's both. Um, I think Charlie does an unbelievable job, and everybody on the staff does an unbelievable job of getting the thoughts and opinions from players too. Because um, we've had we have big league players here that have been really really successful in the big leagues, mm-hmm. and there's something to them being very comfortable and wanting to continue to be comfortable with where they're hitting as well. Um, so I think that's part of it as well. But there's also numbers, too, that would back up this guy hitting in a certain spot and this guy hitting in a certain spot, too. So there's definitely some education that goes along with it. But it's also it, it's not just put it in front of them and say, this is where you're going to hit. It's a conversation. Um, and it's a conversation with, okay, this is why we're thinking this. Um, maybe we can dive deeper into the conversation or a player coming and saying, 
what about this? Um, and again, just like it is from the hitting side of a hitter coming to you and say, let's try this. The player will come to Charlie and they'll come to a lot of people in the organization, a lot of people on staff and, and say, what about this um, where we could hit or does this make sense? And, and it, again, it's always a conversation and, um, and there is a def- there's a level of comfort too. And, and there's definitely some research that goes into it as well. Hunter, terrific insight. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Of course. Thank you, guys. We'll see you down at the ballpark. That is Hunter Mentz. He is the assistant hitting coach and minor league hitting coordinator with the Toronto Blue Jays. And, you know, like one of the reasons I I talked about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. when we talked yesterday about who we think could be the guy that just steps up and and wows us. And and I said, I I think Lourdes could be the guy that, is is that yeah. that guy this year is he was even to somebody who doesn't completely understand the mechanical and analytical aspect of hitting you know you want to talk about guys passing the eye test he passed the eye test in the last six weeks of the season last year yeah everybody I t- everybody i talked to down there I, I would always ask the same question as soon as i shook people's hands and i said who's impressed you the most in it and to everybody that I talked to, the first name out of their mouth was Loris Guerrero Jr. And and Hunter touched on it. It was about what he's swinging at, right? And and the little adjustment of moving off the plate. He's a long arm guy. He has to stay inside the baseball, right? The barrel has to be the last thing you mm-hmm. see, and he has to have a mindset of, of the direction of where he wants the ball to go. Now, obviously, the ball's not going to go there, but that would just tell him where his hands right. need to have that direction so it flattens out his barrel, and he's barreling up more baseballs. And then you add to the mix of what I'm not supposed to be swinging at. That's the issue I had. Every mm-hmm. hitter goes through that is you know, the adjustment of, can I slow it down enough that I can just Could, lay off of that so I can get my pitch? When you, were, when you were playing, if I asked you for percentage breakdown of how many discussions you had with hitting coaches that were about mechanics, how many were about pitch selection or how how many were about the mental approach what would your breakdown be those those three things you you personally not everybody's the same but you personally yeah yeah i think it's i think it's mental first i think it's mechanic second and then what i was swinging at third really? the, okay. well, because the older i got the better i got it you know i sort of knew that the ball in off the plate that was a ball that was my issue is, you know, I had a longer swing. I had issues with how much I was getting back so I could go forward and I would hit uphill a lot, which meant my back knee would bend, would create a big loop in my swing barrel, would dip below my belt, and I would have an issue. And then when I did swing at the ball that I wasn't supposed to swing at, I would jam myself. And that's ultimately why I didn't have a, a, a ton of big league time is because I just got myself out too much. So it's... You know, you have to know yourself, you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just the competition between every day. That's awesome. See, that I find that, that competition that is part interesting. of that, if, you know, if it's 100 or whatever that number is, I'm going out that day to beat that number. I'm not trying to beat my buddy. I'm yeah. trying to beat the number that I had before. It's, it's a simple concept, but it's an awesome and, concept. And how cool would that be for the guy down in, I, I don't know, the guy down in single A when he looks at the organizational leaderboard you know, and there's Teoscar Hernandez, number one in that particular day. Some yeah. guy from Double A, number two, and oh my God, there's me, the the 21 year old kid at, at at Single A. I I was I just, third yesterday. I just think it gives the minor leaguer who is in the cage a lot confidence that what he's doing there that people are noticing. It's right? translating. Yeah, that that's what it is. It's translating. So when I go on the field, everything I'm doing is good. 
Like it's working. I wish I would have had that. It would have saved so much time that you can eliminate the bad stuff. That's not going to work. Take me one day. That's It's so quick now. Like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you may try this. You may show up. You may think this is going to work. You go out. You try it. It's one day. That right away, that process tells you it doesn't work. Now you move on. You eliminate that. You can go back to the, to what does work. It's, you know, it's everybody yells and complains about analytics and, and all the numbers that go into it, but it works. It's helping these players make them the best it can possibly be, which is ultimately going to get the Blue Jays where they want to go. Yeah, I, I I, I just think that I think that's really cool to to uh, the way this organization has kind of blended the minor leagues and the major leagues together. You know, we saw that with Charlie going over to the minor league camp in spring training and giving a, yeah. giving a, a Blue Jay sweatshirt to a kid who'd come over and played. Mm-hmm. You know, people may roll their eyes at that, but listen, man, if you're one of 130 minor leaguers and the major league manager takes time out of his day to come over and say, hey, I appreciated what you did for me, I'll tell you what, that's going to carry you. That's a big deal. That kid got to sit in the same dugout as yep. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That is a that's big deal. awesome. It is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan will be back with Lou Merloni, Shai Davidi as well. We're available not just live on the radio, but wherever you get your favorite podcast.